chapter 13. We are continuing our series on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we've seen the two kingdoms, uh, the, the nation split into two. The northern kingdom is referred to as Israel. The southern kingdom is referred to as Judah. Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. And Rehoboam, Solomon's son, was the first king of the southern kingdom. There were no good kings out of the 19 kings that the northern kingdom of Israel had. None were good. Of the 20 kings that the southern kingdom of Judah had, only eight were good. And two of those, I suppose, could be questionable. They, they were sort of good, but yeah, but not fully good. They were good, yeah. They were too good to be classed as bad but they were too bad to be classed as really good. Um, Let's just put it that way. Um, So again, I'm not going to go through all the kings that we've looked at so far, um, but you can see a lot changing in the northern kingdom. So when Asa was on the throne of Judah for 41 years, you got all of this going on in the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom of Judah had the same dynasty. It was a, 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 a relative of David. It was David's line right until they got carried into captivity to Babylon. In the northern kingdom, the dynasty changed all the time. Um, Jeroboam's dynasty ended with Nadab, and Baasha's dynasty ended with uh, Elah. Um, Omri's dynasty ended then um, with Jehoram, and then um, we're on Jehu's dynasty at the moment now, and uh, he's got one more left after Joash. So we are coming to another king with the same name. I'm sorry, it's not my doing. We do have kings, you know, you've got like, look at that, you've got a, a Jehoram and a Jehoram on the throne at the same time. And then Azariah, Ahaziah is on the throne after, uh, I think it was his uncle Ahaziah was in the northern king. So you've got two Joashes on the throne at the same time as well. You've got a Joash in the southern kingdom, and you've got a Joash in the northern kingdom. It's the Joash in the north that we are looking at today. What I will do, I will give you a a printout. So you've got all the kings uh, that have been on the throne, and we'll do a little bit of a time scale. I'm not putting the time up on the, on the PowerPoints. I don't want it to be too complicated. It's just the fact that when Joash was reigning for 40 years, we kind of get an idea of what was going on in the northern kingdom at the same time, okay? So uh, Joash um, comes to the throne towards the end. Oh, here we go. Joash in the north comes to the throne towards the end of Joash in the south. Uh, it's like he's got three years left on the throne um, as, as Joash in the north comes to the throne. So that's kind of, of where we are. Let me ask you this question. How many of you are influenced by end-of-aisle offers? How many of you are probably sponsored by JML? <laughs> you cannot help yourself. You know, you walk into a, whether there's, I don't know, home bargains or something, and you're like, you only, you've only gone in for a few things, and then there's this television at the end of an aisle. 
and you, you find yourself almost like hypnotized. Remember the Bisto advert, the gravy? You find yourself hypnotized walking towards this television and you, you mesmerize and you're like, I've got to have it. I've got to, I've got to have that mop. But, but you haven't got a wooden floor, you've got carpets, it doesn't matter. I've got to have that mop, it's just so magical. Have you ever done that then where you don't buy it and you go home and you think, I should have bought that. Oh, and you're just not sure, is it going to be good, is it going to be rubbish? How many of you remember the, before we had 24-hour television, the old, the, in America they call them infomercials. All I remember is a, a guy with longer hair, and it was just a cross between a vacuum cleaner and clippers. And it was a way for him to cut. Do you, remember, do you remember that advert? It was a way for him to cut his own hair. And I thought, oh, that'd be so cool. And he wanted it. And I never bought it. And you kind of think, oh, is that a missed opportunity? Sometimes with items like that, we think, that's too good to be true. And they don't work, and they're absolutely rubbish. But then there are sometimes when these type of items change our lives. We didn't even know we needed them. We didn't know we needed like a, um, a, a bean peeler. We didn't know we needed like an apple corer uh, until they change your life. And if you didn't buy it, that's a missed opportunity. Now, something like that's quite comical. You know, when you look at it in life, really, is it going to make much of a difference? Is it, is it really going to alter things? Probably not. But when it comes to missed opportunities from a spiritual point of view, they are life-changing. You know, I think back to, to when I accepted the Lord as my Savior, and I went to, to church up in NSA, and when I heard Pastor Rex preaching, what if I had never asked him more about salvation? What if I'd never gone to his house uh, for him to talk to me about the Lord? What if I'd never knelt in his living room and asked the Lord to save me? What a missed opportunity. What if, as a Christian, the Lord has asked us to do something, and we've not done it? What if the Lord has asked us to go and speak to somebody about Jesus and we've not? What if the Lord has asked us to invite somebody to church and we think, ah, oh, they might think I'm a crackpot, they might think I'm crazy, they might think I'm a fanatic, they might think the church is just weird. But that could be an incredible missed opportunity for them that has eternal detrimental effects. Sometimes we look at the what-ifs in our lives what if I had made a different decision? What if I had accepted the Lord sooner? What if I'd, you know, been more active in the church earlier on in my Christian walk? What if? And the king we're going to look at today, Joash, there's not much mention about Joash in the Bible, um, really. What we have more is, is, is Elisha mentioned a little bit more in the account that we're going to look at of Joash. But there is an account uh, in this chapter here. There is an absolute missed opportunity. And Joash in the northern kingdom of Israel is the king of missed opportunities. 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 10. It says, In the 30th and 7th year of Joash, king of Judah, began Jehoash. They are both called Jehoash at times, and they are both called Joash at times. I am just going with Joash because it's easier for me to say than Jehoash because I will probably get it wrong. 
In the 30th and 7th year of Joash, king of Judah, began Joash, king of Jehoahaz, to reign over Israel and Samaria and reigned 16 years. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He departed not from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, but he walked therein. And the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did and his might wherewith he fought against Amaziah, king of Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? And Joash slept with his fathers and Jeroboam sat upon his throne and Joash was buried in Samaria with the king of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day, for this time together and for this opportunity to come around your word. Lord, we're so thankful for the way in which you answer prayers. We're thankful for the way in which you guide your children, Lord. We're thankful for the comfort that you give us in difficult situations. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us today, Lord. I pray you'd speak to our hearts. And as we look at those times in our lives where we could have turned to the left or to the right, and maybe we made the wrong turn. Maybe we made the wrong decision in life. Maybe uh, we, we took a wrong turn, in and we look at that as a missed opportunity Father, we pray that you would just help us. We can't do anything about those missed opportunities that have gone, but help us to learn from that so that when it comes to making those decisions again, listening to your voice again, taking the right path again, that we'd never make the same mistake as before. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning as we look at this king of missed opportunities and help us to recognize uh, your guiding in our lives that we might never have a missed opportunity from a spiritual point of view. Lord, we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we don't really have much there in those um, four verses about Joash. When we come to Amaziah, um, the next king we're going to look at, then we'll see Joash again in the battle that he and Amaziah had. Um, But other than this um, kind of summary of his reign. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. He followed after the sins of Jeroboam. Jeroboam made Israel to sin when he set up the false idol worship uh, in the northern kingdom, and he kind of followed in the same trend. But then we have an interesting account of something that happened when Elisha was on his deathbed. You know, one of the reasons why I'm putting the the prophets up uh, on the side so we can get an idea of the type of men that were around during this time because, you know, Elijah was in Israel at the time that Ahab and Jezebel were on the throne and you see how wicked they were and how incredible Elijah is. You know, Elijah was one of the people that stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus Christ. Elisha ask for a double portion from Elijah, and we see twice as many miracles uh, that Elisha performed than Elijah did. So Elisha um, is kind of coming to the end of his life at the beginning of Joash's reign. Um, You know, it, it, it says much about the spiritual nature of the northern kingdom of Israel when People like Elisha and Elijah, and again, you see it with Jeremiah and Isaiah, and when they are ignored for any kind of spiritual guidance, um, Joash does come to see Elisha on his deathbed, um, but why didn't Elisha, uh, why didn't Joash come to see Elisha um, before that? 
you know, why didn't his father, Jehoahaz, you know, tap into the incredible spiritual knowledge that Elisha had? Why didn't they say, what can we do to turn our nation around? You know, this, this idol worship's not working. You know, the, the, the temples that Je- Jeroboam have set up in, in, in Dan and Bethel, uh, they, they're not working. So what can we do? And can you imagine, you know, what Elisha could have said, right, you are the king, you are the leader, you are, this, is, this is what you need to do. And Joash had a missed opportunity of discipleship. You know, when Elisha's gone, he's gone. There's nothing Joash can do then. You know, we see that with, with Saul. When Saul, when Samuel finally went, Saul was like, oh no, I really need to speak to Samuel. Let's try and get him back from the dead. When somebody's gone, they're gone. I think sometimes of, you know, the men of God that the Lord has put in my life. And maybe I didn't tap into them enough in terms of their spiritual knowledge and their, you know, the, the wealth of experience they have from a spiritual point of view. And I think sometimes we take people for granted. We fail to recognize that time is not just marching on. We was having this conversation with Dad. Sorry, we had a lovely birthday meal Saturday, a lovely conversation about how quickly time is marching on and death is just right there waiting for us. I'm like, yeah, happy birthday to me. (laughs) But it's true. Time is going far too quickly. You know, when we're, you know, when we're young and we, like, think we've got our whole lives ahead of us and you're like, oh, I don't need to worry about a pension. That's miles away. And then all of a sudden you think, oh, do you know, I am paid enough into a pension. What am I going to do? Time goes quickly. You know, and sometimes the Lord puts people in our lives and they're only there briefly. But if we fail to, to tap into their knowledge, if we fail to kind of take the time to fellowship with them, who remembers the BT advert with, do you know, I'm, I'm uh, JML and BT, if you're watching this, I, I'm quite happy to receive any kind of like royalties for these endorsements I'm giving you to like, you know, the, the, the 10 people that are actually watching this uh, live stream. So, I mean, if, if 10 people sign up the BT today now, it would just give us a discount off our broadband. That'd be nice. Remember Maureen Lipman? You know, on the phone, and, and the, you know, there was to speak to her. Whether I think it was the grandchildren and, and the exam results, and an ology. Oh, he's got an ology. But at the end of that, it, it, it's good to talk. You know, when someone's gone, they're gone. Can I just say, make the most of it. Don't have a missed opportunity with the ones that you love. Make the most of it. Don't have a missed opportunity when it comes to spending time with somebody who knows a little bit more about the scripture. Joash had a missed opportunity of discipleship with Elisha. Elisha's on his deathbed, and can I say this? It's too late now. In verse 14, Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died, and Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And you think, that's, that's a little bit too late now. Why are you waiting until Elisha's on his deathbed before you actually come down and spend some time with him? What a missed opportunity. Can you imagine the type of discipleship that Joash could have had with Elisha? We saw it last time with the Joash from the southern kingdom and Jehoiada, the priest. He did right in the sight of the Lord when Jehoiada was alive. 
he had that discipleship from, for want of a better word, his, his stepfather or his adopted father. Joash could have had that guidance from Elisha. Joash could have had that discipleship from Elisha. Joash could have had that spiritual guidance from Elisha. But it was a missed opportunity because now Elisha is at the end of his life. And he's about to die. And Joash comes and says, oh, my father, my father. He's crying and he's all. If I was Elisha, I'd be like, oh, right, nice. Where have you been for the rest of my life? Why are you just rocking up now? Are you, are you just worried because of what you could potentially lose as another man of God leaves the scene of Israel? I think the king knew that Elisha's death would be a great loss to the kingdom. I think uh, Joash knew that Elisha's death would be a loss for the nation of Israel. He wasn't weeping because he loved Elisha, because I'm sure Elisha would have called out the sins of um, Jehu's family. The king wept and he calls Elisha the chariot of Israel and the horsemen. And that signifies something which just means that Elisha was partially responsible for the security of the nation. If you remember, we've looked at a few miracles. That Remember when the, the servants' eyes were opened and that the armies of the, the host of the Lord were encamped around the mountains? Can you imagine the king thinking, oh no, I'm going to lose that. That's, you know, that's the type of army that I want on my side. What a missed opportunity. He had a missed opportunity of discipleship, but he also had a missed opportunity of direction. It says in verse 15, Elisha said unto him, take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, uh, for thou shalt smite the Syrians in effect till thou hast consumed them. Death was near for Elisha. But before he breathed his last breath, he was still concerned about the nation of Israel, about the, the the direction of Israel. Can, can I say this? That the, the, the direction that the leader goes in is normally the direction that the nation follows. You know, if you've got um, weak leadership, the nation becomes weak. If you've got a leadership with a certain ideology, then that's how the nation tends to follow. Joash had a missed opportunity of direction. He had an opportunity in this instance to turn the nation back to the Lord. For over a hundred years, the nation has been worshipping idols. The nation has been worshipping these golden calves that Jeroboam set up. And they hasn't done them any good. Elijah's already called down fire from, from heaven to consume the altar and prove that Baal wasn't the true God. Um, God has already um, used Elisha to open the eyes uh, of the servants to see the armies of the host of the Lord encamped around Israel. And God could have protected the nation. He promised to protect the nation if they obeyed his word. 
if they listened to his voice. If, remember, on the two mountains, there was a mountain of blessing and a mountain of curse, and if they obeyed God, there was blessings to be had. If they disobeyed God, then they'd be chastised. They would end up losing their country. Elisha tells Joash, get some bows and uh, some arrows. The king complies with this. Uh, the bow and arrow is actually a symbol of strength and victory. And God is literally telling Joash, you are going to be victorious. Did he deserve victory? Absolutely not. Did he deserve God's blessing? Absolutely not. But that just again highlights the grace of God. Elisha tells him to shoot the arrows out, to shoot the arrows out of the window towards the east. Now, the shooting of an arrow towards a particular nation was a declaration of war. Uh, Elisha puts his hand on Joash's hand as he uh, takes hold of the bow to symbolize that the power that the king would receive isn't his own, but would come from God himself. Elisha explains in verse 17 that the victory, that the deliverance is going to come from the Lord. In verse 18, Elisha then says, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground, and he smote thrice and stayed. So, there are some people that say, ah, well, the word they just, uh, the word smite means to strike, and, um, you know, Elisha says, take the arrows, and you know, just pound them on the ground. That's not what happens. Why would he take a pile of arrows and hit it on the ground? He would only need to take one arrow and hit it on the ground. What Elisha's telling him to do is to take the rest of the arrows in his quiver and fire them into the ground. And that's what uh, Elisha is instructing Joash to do. Each arrow stands for a victory. Joash shoots three arrows into the ground. Now then, it is possible that in his quiver were six arrows. Because Elisha will go on to say, why didn't you shoot six times? So it's possible that there were six arrows in his quiver. What Elisha's saying is, is why were you half-hearted? Why... Why did you empty your quiver? Why did you only fire three arrows into the ground? Disappointingly, Joash failed this test. He had a missed opportunity for the direction that his country could have gone in. Joash demonstrated hesitancy. Joash demonstrated a lack of fervency. Joash demonstrated a, 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 a lack of compliance with Elisha's instructions for success. And he wasted opportunity. How many times do we fail to, if you like, empty our quiver? Maybe um, somebody's talked to, before you became a Christian, somebody talked to you about the Lord, and you were like, mm, I don't know about this. I've got some doubts. I've got some concerns. I don't really know if it's true. I don't know if it's... And, and you're kind of half-hearted. You're like, I'd like to believe. Uh, it's like the agnostic, which doesn't deny that there's a God, but doesn't really think you can get to know him, and uh, kind of sitting on the fence. 
Sometimes when we become Christians, we fail to empty our quiver. We recognize what God can do for us. We recognize the areas of our lives where God has answered prayer. But then we might come to a similar situation and be like, I'm not going to go all in this time. I want to commit too much to being a Christian. I'll serve the Lord, but I kind of want to serve him on my terms. I don't really want to go all out. I don't really want to give him everything or give him my all. Maybe Elisha, maybe Joash doubted what Elisha meant. You know, sometimes we're half-hearted and we won't empty our quiver because we doubt the word of God. Does God's word really mean that? Did God really say that? Maybe Joash was half-hearted because he didn't think this was important. It's just a dying man. You know, what's the point? Right? What a waste of... Somebody's got to go and get those arrows. What a waste of... You know, I, I didn't really want to fire the one out of the window. And it, you know, so if I fire three, you know, perhaps I'll have to go and pick them up after. Maybe he failed to understand the importance. Elisha's saying, look, we're talking about victory here. Oh, yeah, whatever. Sometimes we fail to empty our quiver when it comes to God's word because is that really important? Is it really important to be in church? Is it really important to read my Bible? Is it really important to pray? Is it really important to witness? Is it really important to tithe? Is it really important to display the fruit of the Spirit? Is it really important? Maybe Joas was just humoring Elisha. Eh, he's a dying man. He doesn't really know what he's on about, so it doesn't really make much sense. So I just, just fire three out the window. Do we do, we do that? Where it's like, I won't empty my quiver, but I'll, I'll humor God. I kind of go along because I, you know, yeah, saved me, so I, I kind of give him a little bit of my time. Joash was hesitant. He didn't feel he needed to shoot all of his arrows. But he didn't realize that his half-heartedness affected the direction of the nation. Our half-heartedness, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, can affect people around us. You know, if we go through a trial and we're like, oh, I can't believe it, oh, and we just act exactly like everybody else does when they go through a trial, what difference does being a Christian make? What difference has Christ made in our lives if we act exactly the same as everybody else acts when we go through a time of difficulty or trouble? You know, if we've got a fish sticker on the back of our car and we're still tooting and beeping and flashing everybody, you won't come on, won't drive the way that we think they should. That's why I've not got a fish sticker on the back of my car. Because I remember one time somebody wasn't driving in accordance with the highway code and I was trying to let them know politely, and Joe said, you've got a fish sticker on the back of this car. You're not meant to cut somebody up and then slam your brakes on. Like, oh, okay, is that not allowed? So what did I do? Did I change my ways? No, I removed the fish sticker. <laughs> but we're not meant to act like that. You know, we're meant to be different. 
But when we are half-hearted, we have a missed opportunity of direction. Not only direction in our lives, but direction in other people's lives. Because when they look at us and we're not displaying the fruit of the Spirit, there is no love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness, long-suffering in our lives that uh, kind of has a, 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 um, a, a, an effect on those around us. What's the point? Can you imagine if the, we go back to the JML? I'm not reducing the gospel to a sales pitch. But you imagine if the JML guy is like this on the, on the video. He's like, oh, do you want a mop? I don't really know if it works. I haven't tried it myself. But, you know, I've got to read a script. And I guess if you really wanted to spend, nothing's more than 19.99, is it? If you really wanted to spend 19.99, I suppose, you know, if you've got 20 quid to spare, there's a mop. None of us are going to buy it. But that guy is so happy. JML, buy a mop. You're like, yeah, okay. Less than £20, 1999. You're like, oh, my days, this is awesome. I'm even going to have change from a £20 note. I'm still going to have you know, money in my pocket. This is awesome. Why? Because the guy sounds so happy. And you're like, yeah, okay, I'll buy it. Do you need it? No. Do you want it? No. But he's just convinced you. What we do as believers when we kind of don't empty the quiver, when we kind of half-hearted in our walk with the Lord, we are false advertising. That's what we're doing. Because what we're basically saying to people is, look, you can trust Christ as your Savior, but he doesn't really make a difference in your life. He doesn't really give you any joy. He doesn't give you any victory over the difficulties that you face. He doesn't give you a peace that passes understanding. All you have is fire and shoe. And so let's just kind of amble through life until he calls us home. That's not emptying the quiver. That's just shooting three arrows. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. The psalmist said, with my whole heart have I sought thee. Ephesians says, not with eye service as men please us, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Let's give it 100% because we don't know who we are going to affect. We don't know who we're going to influence. There's a story about the USS Astoria. It was the first US cruiser to engage the Japanese in the Battle of Savo Island. Um, there was night action fought between August the 8th and 9th, and, uh, and 9th of August 1942. And the Astoria was badly damaged. And shortly after noon on the August uh, the 9th, um, young um, a Midwestern shipman third-class Elgin Staples was swept overboard from the ship. Um, what happened then was uh, shrapnel had, uh, hit his legs, so he couldn't do anything. Um, and he was kept afloat by his life-saving device. And when they hit the water, there's a mechanism that triggers, and his life jacket triggered and inflated. At around 6 a.m., he was rescued by a passing destroyer, returned to the Astoria, um, but by this time, the cruiser began to, uh, 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 was breaching, and by lunchtime, he was back in the water with the same life vest on. Uh, he was then picked up by the, the, the ship US President, USS President Jackson and one of 500 survivors who uh, were evacuated then uh, to New Caledonia. 
Um, on board the transport back home, Mr. Staples, for the first time, examined the life belt that had served him so well. It had been manufactured by the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company of Akron, Ohio, and it bore a registration number. Uh, he was then given leave when he got home, and uh, Staples told his story and asked his mother, who happened to work at Firestone, about the purpose of the number on the life belt. She replied that the company insisted on personal responsibility for the war effort and that the number was unique and assigned to only one inspector. Staples remembered everything about that life belt, every detail, and he quoted the number on it. The number turned out to be his mother's personal code and was affixed to every item that she was responsible for approving. What if she'd not emptied her quiver? What if she was half-hearted in her job, in her inspection? It would have affected her son. It would have affected her direction in life. And it would have affected his direction in life. Joash didn't empty the quiver. And as a result, there was a missed opportunity of direction. And finally, there was a missed opportunity of deliverance. Elisha rebukes him. And says in verse 19, the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou should have smitten five or six times, then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it, whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. In verse 25, it says, Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, took again out of the hand of Ben Hadad, the son of Haziel, the city, this is the king of Syria, uh, which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father, by war. Three times did Joash beat him and recovered the cities of Israel. Only three times Joash would have a victory over the Syrians, as Elisha had said. Joash's response was half-hearted. And as a result, Elisha was wroth. We kind of see it... Um, a failure to trust the Lord. You know, sometimes we are half-hearted in, in our trust for the Lord. Um, can he really do that for us? Can he really take care of my needs? Can he really look after me? Can he really get me through this trial? Can he really take me through this valley? Can he really get me um, through this time of difficulty? Joash failed to trust the Lord and we struggle with that same type of attitude today. We just half-heartedly witness. Because we automatically think nobody's going to listen to us. We automatically think that nobody's going to want to talk to us. And as a result, in our half-heartedness, we've not really got anything to sell, as it were. We're half-hearted when it comes to I'll give it. Can the Lord really do this? Can the Lord really bless me? We're half-hearted when it comes to uh, our Bible reading. Is there really any point? We're half-hearted in so many areas of our lives. 
Joash lacked tenacity, determination. He lacked dedication. He was satisfied with incomplete results. He was satisfied with the mundane, as it were. He was lukewarm. But we know in Revelation chapter 3 what the Lord says about the church that's lukewarm. He would rather us be hot or cold. But because the church in Laodicea was lukewarm, the Lord said, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Lukewarmness makes the Lord sick. Can I just say this? Empty the quiver. Christ emptied his quiver on the cross of Calvary. But we fail to empty our quiver every single day because we kind of just want to get through the day as a believer. We kind of just want to go through the day like half-heartedly. Maybe we even come to church half-heartedly. Maybe you didn't feel like coming today. Maybe you thought, oh, I don't know about the kings. There's a lot of names. A lot of the names are the same and there's dates to remember. It's like being in school Maybe you didn't want to come to have a school lesson today. And we can be half-hearted in a lot of areas of our Christian walk. And we, we don't empty the quiver. But can you imagine if we all came with the same... It's going to be a good day. You know, the worship would be such that you could just feel it. That You know, the message would be such that it would speak to our hearts and we'd be like, oh, I'm just ready to, to kind of take on the world. I'm ready to kind of, you know, just let the Lord shine through my life and just so people can see that there's a difference in my life because of what Christ has done. Can I say this? That God used Elisha far more in death than he was able to use Joash as the commander-in-chief of a vast army. Because what we see here is in verse 20 um, to 20, um, where well, we read it? It says in verse 20, Elisha died and they buried him and the hands of the Moabites invaded the, 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 the land at the coming of the year. And it came to pass as they were burying a man that behold, they spied a band of men and they cast the man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. God used Elisha far more in death than he was able to use Joash in his life. And the, this is an incredible picture of the gospel. You could say um, that, um, you know, this man in the tomb is a picture of people today. Without Christ, we are helpless and hopeless. There is no hope for us. We are just dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But through Elisha's death, if Elisha hadn't died, this man would never have been raised to new life. When Christ died on the cross, he gave us new life. When Christ died on the cross, he was able to, uh, to, to make a difference in our lives. When, the, uh, when we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit indwells us, it changes everything. It changes the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak. It makes a difference. It puts a spring in the step. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Elisha's death was the means of salvation and new life to this man that was buried. That is a far greater deliverance than Joash had. Joash had a missed opportunity when it came to discipleship. He could have been sat at Elisha's feet and just learning from this incredible man of God. 
Joash had a missed opportunity when it came to direction because, you know, he had an opportunity to take the, the nation in the direction back towards God. He had the opportunity to take the nation in a direction that would defeat the armies of Syria. He had a missed opportunity when it came to deliverance. Why? Because he was half-hearted. He didn't really believe the word of God. God's word said this arrow is an arrow of deliverance. Shoot as many. And do you know what? If there were 10, 15, 20 arrows in his quiver, he should have just absolutely shot everything. You're like, well, I don't know. What if Christianity don't work? I kind of, you know, it's like that, that old couple who, who, who went to the, the Baptist church and they said they wanted to get baptized. And they said, if you've got any experience, you know, well, they said, you know, we've, we've been to the, uh, the Buddhist temple and, you know, we, we've, we've been to the mosque and we've been down to, uh, you know, all these other places. And the, the Baptist minister is like, oh, this is, this is great then. So you've, you've finally come to accept Christ as your savior? No, we're just trying to cover all our bases. That's not what's meant to happen. As Christians, we're not like covering our bases and a half heart in the fact, well, you know, if the Christian thing don't work, I best keep one foot in the world just in case. The Christian thing does work, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. The Christian thing doesn't work because of us. The Christian thing works in spite of us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's a new feeling. And maybe it's, for me, I just, as a teenager, had this feeling of anger continually. And when I came to know Christ as my Savior, I could not explain it, but that feeling just went. The anger went. I know for other people, they've said, I just had this problem with my language. I just couldn't stop using foul language. And the minute I accepted Christ as my Savior, the language just went. Christ makes a difference. Maybe you were here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. Can I just say he makes a difference? Trust him. Don't be half-hearted about it. Don't, you know... Be kind of like, oh, they always used to say that to you, didn't they, in rugby when they used to say, don't tackle half-heartedly, you hurt yourself. I used to think that was the stupidest thing on the planet, but, but it's true. You go, in, you go into tackle half-heartedly and you get hurt. Can I say this? Don't go into Christianity half-heartedly. Empty your quiver. Trust the Lord. Just allow Him make a difference in your life maybe you're here today and you are a believer and you've not been emptying your quiver can i just say this if you don't empty your quiver there's going to be a load more than this of missed opportunities the lord wants to use you the lord wants to bless you the lord wants to work through you but if we're going to be half-hearted in that how can he really use us as much as he wants to? If we are lukewarm, if we're kind of like, oh, God, yeah, okay, just empty the quiver, serve him with all of our hearts, worship him with all of our hearts, love him with all of our hearts, praise him with 
all of our hearts, wholeheartedly empty the quiver for the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't be disappointed then with the missed opportunities. Just go all in for the Lord, because that's what he deserves. Father, we thank you so much for this day and for the privilege of being able to come around your word. Lord, I pray you continue to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord, and help us in our walk with you, Lord. If there's anyone here or watching online that has never trusted Christ as their Savior, then, Lord, I pray that they would come to that saving knowledge of Christ, recognize their need of salvation, that they've sinned and broken your commands, and that sin separates them from God and heaven. But because Christ died on the cross for them, he took their punishment, he paid their debt. And if we accept him as our Savior, then we are forgiven, and heaven is our home. Lord, maybe there's somebody that needs to trust Christ today, hear it online. I pray that they would do that. And then, Lord, if there's anyone here or, or watching online that has been half-hearted in their walk with you, that has only fired half of their quiver of arrows, as it were, then, Lord, help us to be believers who will empty our quiver, that will be wholehearted in our walk, work, worship, and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, would you continue to help us, speak to us, and just use us this week but we pray and ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing 528. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. And we'll stand as we sing.